This class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com. Major funding for this Tanya class is provided by the Mettel Corporation. Additional funding is provided by Tanya students like you. Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. Papa, page 8, now this faith. He's saying how emunah, emunah is the level of masnayim, the loins, which uphold the entire body. And he explained that faith alone is lower than the intellect and the heart because true faith is a level that you can't grasp. You have faith in something that your mind cannot grasp. And nevertheless, this faith is the loins that hold up the entire body. Now this faith, this belief in Hashem, as outlined above, is referred to as the loins, which uphold and sustain the head, meaning the intellect that contemplates and concentrates on the greatness of the blessed Ein Sof in the dimensions of world, year, and soul. Thus, this faith sustains the head for the foundation of one's comprehension of Hashem's greatness is one's belief in His unity. So the faith gives strength to the mind. Why is it that a Jew understands godliness? Why is it that a Jew is inspired by godliness? We get excited about godliness. In a way, I believe it was the fifth Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashabu said that a Jew is a Meshucha, the Jew is bribed. In a certain sense, we can't think otherwise because our faith is so deep that it colors, it colors our understanding, that our mind thinks differently, we understand things differently, we penetrate to the very essence of things, we challenge the whole underlying assumptions of things. We question everything. We step out we, and look honestly and objectively. We're able to step away. But this all comes as a result of our faith. So the faith of a Jew really affects, and this is the loins, the legs that hold up the whole body. It holds up the heart and holds up the mind. Not like someone once said, she was Gula Cohen very famous Israeli Knesset member and she had an encounter with the Rebbe and she explained she says listen I met many great people the difference is when you meet someone who's brilliant the brilliance doesn't wear off on you <laughs> it's not like you walk away smarter you just walk away realizing how, how stupid you are <laughs> you meet someone who's beautiful it doesn't rub off on you <laughs> you meet someone who's talented he says, but when you meet a man of faith, you can't help but rubbing off on you. That person's faith touches you very deeply. And it ignites something inside of you. And you walk away a changed person. You cannot remain unaffected. 
says that was the Rebbe. The Rebbe, he couldn't remain unaffected. A great person, a small person, anyone. Because his faith was so powerful. And it resonated. And it touched a very deep, innocent place within us. And therefore, it inspired us to change, to grow, to become, to be better, to be closer to Hashem, to be more Jewish, to be more connected. So the same effect, the faith, and our own mind, our own intellect, and our own hearts. The faith has an effect. Even though the faith comes from such an inner place, an inner reservoir, from such a deep place, it's beyond our mind and beyond our, our capacity to feel and to understand, to comprehend. But the faith is so deep that it holds up the intellect. It holds up our understanding of godliness. Because it colors it, it affects it tremendously. So it's not like it's two different worlds, our faith and then our intellect. The faith becomes the foundation for the intellect. It strengthens it. It invigorates it. And it gives the, the, the intellect the ability to perceive things that otherwise the intellect on its own would never perceive. It opens the, up the intellect to perceive realities, to get a sense of the infinite, to get a sense of something that's beyond the intellect, like we explained earlier the meditation on how Hashem fills all the worlds and Hashem transcends all the worlds and how in relation to Hashem the world doesn't exist and this, but this understanding of the intellect is based on, on that faith that's why also why it's the loins on one hand it's lower than the mind and the heart because faith is not something we can grasp with our mind or even feel but on the other hand it also holds up the mind and heart it affects the mind and the heart and enable, enables the mind and the heart to understand godliness and to sense godliness and to respond to godliness and to feel godliness. And that meditates on the magnitude of his <coughs> loving kindness and his wonders with us, making of us a people near unto him who can truly cleave unto him. So the intellect, after understanding and grasping God's greatness, God's infinite greatness, then when the intellect realizes how God in his infinite kindness and his wonder with us draws near to him and made him his people, his close people, his chosen people, and he attached himself to us and he allowed us to attach ourselves to him, that evokes a tremendous feeling, a reciprocal feeling of love. When, you, when Hashem is drawn so close to us, despite the fact that He's so great and so infinite and so transcendent, and yet He has chosen us and is close to us and has taken us into His innermost chambers, we can't help but reciprocate in kind and love Hashem in turn. So all of this is what the intellect understands, but it's all based on that faith. And it's the faith that nourishes and nurtures this understanding. Thus it is known from the teachings, one hour of repentance and good deeds in this world surpass all the life of the world to come. Imagine, one hour. One good deed. One mitzvah in this world is worth more than all of the world to come. Here it means the afterlife. We know how great the afterlife is. Because the same Mishnah continues in the same breath. 
At one moment, one moment in the world to come is worth more than all of this world put together. Even if you live for a thousand years and you're able to indulge in every pleasure in the world, it can't compare to a moment of ecstasy of pleasure that the soul experiences, experiencing the radiance, the divine light. Like many people who had near-death experiences come back and describe, it's indescribable, the delight, the ecstasy, the pleasure. It's such an indescribable experience. Nothing in this world even comes close. The love that they felt and the and being enwrapped in this light and they were pulled towards the light and it's indescribable they don't even have words to describe it and that's one moment the first moment the one moment in the world to come and yet all of that the whole entire world to come together many many moments many days and weeks and months and years can compare to one mitzvah in this world one moment in this world one good deed in this world. Well, the world to come is a mere gleam and reflection of the level of divinity called the Shekhinah, which is so-called because it is the Shekhinah who dwells within created beings and so on. Like we learned at the end of the first part of the Tanya, that the Shekhinah refers to the lowest level. The level where Hashem speaks and communicates and reveals. Just like within a person. When we speak, it's the lowest level within us. So the Shekhinah is when Hashem is speaking to us, communicating, revealing Himself to us, which is the lowest level. So it's merely a gleam, a reflection. And that's called the Shekhinah. It's the tip of the tip of the iceberg. And that becomes the source of this ray. That becomes the illumination. It's like the communication of the teacher becomes, for the student, this becomes his light. This becomes his whole world. For the teacher, this communication to the student is the most superficial part of the teacher. For the student, this is the source. This is a breakthrough. This is, this is he's moving forward. He's learning something new. He's, the mind is absorbing. He's dazzled by the brilliance, the ray. So it's a ray of the Shekhinah, which is the lowest level. Since the Shekhinah bears a certain relationship to created beings, it is therefore this level of divinity that is revealed in Gan Eden, the world to come, which is but a pale reflection of the Shekhinah. And the world to come was created by the single letter Yud of Hashem's blessed name, and so on, as explained by the sages in their exposition of the verse, So the rabbis say that Yud. It says, Yud K with the letters Yud K of Hashem's name, Hashem created the world. With the Yud, He created Olam Haba, spiritual world, the heavens, Gan Eden. And with He, He created this world. So all the upper world, the whole Gan Eden was created with one letter. The Torah is using an analogy. Even when we, when we speak one letter, what is one letter in comparison to how many words and letters we speak? We can't even count the amount of words and letters we speak in our lifetimes. What is one letter? Nothing. That's when we speak. But how about if you go beyond that? We think. And then we feel. And then we understand. And then we desire. We have pleasure. And then there's the essence of the person. What is one letter in comparison to the person? Nothing. Insignificant. So too, what is the relationship of the world to come? The glimmer of a ray of Hashem's radiance. 
in which the souls bask in and it completely engages the soul and it occupies the soul, it's merely one letter. It's a glimmer of a ray of Hashem's shechina, of Hashem's speech. Even of Hashem's speech, it's only one letter. Imagine, and speech of Hashem is nothing in comparison to what's beyond speech. So in comparison to Hashem, it's absolutely nothing. It's just a glimmer of a ray. So the whole experience of Gan Eden, you're merely scratching the surface, you're merely touching by a glimmer of a ray of Hashem's light. Not Hashem's essence. He's so far removed from Hashem's essence. Only in this world, only in the physical world, when we're here and now, when we physically put on the tefillin, and we light the candle, and we do a mitzvah, we give the penny to tzedakah. Only in this world do we have the opportunity to touch Hashem's essence. When we do the mitzvah. So what would you take? Hashem's essence, or a glimmer of a ray of His light, or, do the, or the mitzvah when you have Hashem's essence. What would you take? Well, the only thing we can do, though, is the mitzvah. We can't... If you had a choice, what would you prefer? Hashem's essence, or a glimmer of a ray of Hashem's light? The light of His essence, that could be, that's more than we can do here in this world. You have a mitzvah, you have Hashem himself. You have Hashem's essence. So if you have a choice, what would you take? Surely I'll take the tzitzes, I'll take the tefillin, I'll take the mezuzah, and I'll take the penny and tzedakah, and I'll take the davening to Hashem and the mitzvahs. Because here I have Hashem's essence. For the neshama, for your own personal experience, one moment in the Gan Eden is worth more than all the experiences in this world. But... If you're trying to get close to Hashem, you want to touch Hashem, be touched by Hashem, one moment in this world is worth more than the whole world to come. It's not even mentioned once in the Torah, the world to come. And they, the afterlife. You have to sacrifice everything in order to sustain life, even a moment of life in this world. Because one moment of life in this world, that's why life is so sacred to us. Life is so holy, so precious. We're not looking to go to the other world. We fight going to the other world. We want to stay in this world. We want to stay put. We're not excited about going to the other world. Are you kidding? It's, it's, a, it's a fool's bargain. Here I have Hashem Himself. And there, what do I have? A yud, one letter, a glimmer of a ray. But your thinking changes as you get very old and approach the inevitable. Then, then you you. Then you start thinking about the life and the world to come. Well, when a person feels that he's accomplished his mission in this world, you know, your time, you're coming closer to finishing, putting the last piece of the puzzle into the puzzle, concluding your mission in this world. Once your neshama concludes its mission in this world, then it's time to move on. You know, it's like the story with the chassid who fasted, refined himself, deprived himself of sleep. And um, he was a very healthy person, but as a result of all his deprivation, self-deprivation, he died young. And on his deathbed, he was totally aware to the last moment. He was surrounded by his friends and had a Hasidic gathering, and they were saying goodbye to him. And he says, you know, I would give up my 30 years of fasting. This is the middle of the night. Just... He was about to die, just that I should live till dawn, till the morning, 
actually till sunrise, closer to sunrise. So I should be able to put on tefillin one last time. One time putting tefillin is more worth to me than all these 30 years of refinement. And, and he passed away that night mm-hmm. before dawn. And his friend said he was right. He was 100% right. One mitzvah in this world, one opportunity to do one single mitzvah is worth more. One positive thought, one positive speech, one positive good deed is worth more than all the spiritual ecstasy in the world combined. But it took 30 years of self-deprivation for him to, to sense that, to be sensitive to that truth. Because we take mitzvahs for granted. We don't even pay attention half of the time. We just do it by rote. But can you imagine if you realize what happens when you do a mitzvah? You're touching the divine. You're being touched by the divine. Every time you do a mitzvah, you're touching God's essence. God's essence is touching you and embracing you and hugging you. And you're becoming close to Hashem. You're marrying Hashem. You're in, being intimate with Hashem. Every time we did a mitzvah, we'd be dancing with joy. Every moment, we can think. We can speak. We can do. The only reason we don't is because we don't realize what we have. We have the treasure, but we don't realize it's the treasure. That's very sad. An observant Jew, studying Torah, doing mitzvot, he's sitting on a treasure, he's a trillionaire, and he's kvetching. And there's no joy. And he feels sorry for himself. Never. I have an obligation. I have to get through this chore. I have this burden. Burden? Obligation? You have a mitzvah. You have a connection. Hashem, you're touching Hashem at this very moment. It's worth more than all of the worlds combined and all the angels combined. You have the essence of Hashem right here. And you're kvetching and complaining. You don't even realize what you have. You don't even realize the treasure that you have. Right now, here and now. This moment. That's what the mission is telling you. One moment in this world. You know how precious that is? One moment in this world. The Neshama will give up everything. All its Ganeiden and all thousands of years in Ganeiden. Just give me one moment in this world. I can do a mitzvah. I can touch the essence of Hashem. In heaven, they don't know what God looks like. <laughs> all they have is a glimmer of a ray of Hashem's illumination. The essence of Hashem means a complete mystery can't touch the essence of Hashem only in this world can we touch the essence of Hashem so the mind understands all of this but when it's backed up by, with faith it's the faith that injects this understanding with vitality and with feeling and with it resonates it's not just I know it, you can say it but when someone says something and he doesn't mean it Intellect could be very cold. I can understand 2 plus 2 is 4, but it doesn't... There's no heart and there's no soul. Do I mean it? 2 plus 2 is 4. I don't have to mean it. It's a fact. But when someone says it and he means it, it's a whole different experience. So a person could understand all of this. But when it's backed up by faith, the faith is the loins that holds it up. When it's backed up by faith, you mean it. And it's heartfelt. And it's genuine. 
and it touches you and it moves you and it inspires you, it's real, and then the mind is on fire. This comes from faith. That your mind should be on fire. That doesn't come from intellect per se. Intellect is not on fire. Intellect is very cool, very cold. The computer, they have, uh, they have uh, air conditionings to keep it cool, the chips, otherwise the chips will fry. It's very cool. You walk into where they keep all the intelligence. Very cool place. Refrigerators. Freezers. The mind is a refrigerator. Refrigerator. Intellectuals are very cold people. For the Chabad to be on fire, that I'm close to Hashem and get excited, that your mind is on fire, this only comes because there's a faith behind it. Faith is the loins. Faith is what holds up this whole thing. It's faith. It's not just intellect, cold intellect. Actually, the Rebbe's hated. They couldn't say enough bad things about despise. It's more like it. Those Hasidim who were brilliant minds, and they would study a lot of Hasidut, but it was all an intellectual trip. It was brilliant. You, know? you understand it, and it's enough to keep you busy for your whole life. They were called maskilim. Maskilim were those who used to enjoy learning the logic of Hasidus, understanding it, and explaining it. But they were ice cold. There was no heart, there was no soul, there was no change, there was no refinement, there was no edelkeit. There was no change in their personality. There was no working on themselves. There was no internalizing all that knowledge. It's just a, a computer, a computer chip, a brilliant encyclopedia, a brilliant mind. They couldn't care for such people. If it's not alive, if the person is not alive, if there's, not, there's no soul, there's no, if it doesn't touch you personally, that's where faith is. Faith is all-encompassing. Faith is not just in your mind. It's not just a head trip. When the loins, when the faith becomes the loins and you have a whole person, there's a leg and there's a heart and there's a mind. It's, it's a whole person. It's not just an idea, a very nice idea, interesting, brilliant idea. And you can get excited about understanding the idea. No, the person gets excited personally because there's a whole person involved. It's personal. That only comes when there's faith. So faith is what holds up the whole thing. Faith, that's why faith is called masnayim. Faith is what holds up the whole, the mind and the heart without faith. You have a computer. <laughs> and you have an engine room on fire, but, but there's no... Faith is what brings it all together. It becomes whole. Repentance and good deeds, however, truly bring Israel near to their Father in heaven. Unto, as it were, the very being and essence of him who is absolute infinity. As it is written, his radiance is upon earth and heaven. Heaven and earth derive their life force from a mere glimmer or gleam of Hashem's essence. Not so the Jewish people, of whom the following verse continues, who raises glory upon his nation. The word heaven here translated glory, signifies a thing's essence. The verse thus implies that the Jewish people derive their life force in its essence. Like we say in the Talmud, a person is obligated, in certain instances, a person is obligated to pay the Karen, the principal, 
if a person benefited, used the temple treasury for his own personal use, he has to bring a sacrifice, he has to repay the treasury, repay the principal, plus he has to add a fifth, which is really a quarter. So when you add it, it becomes a fifth. For example, if he used $100, he has to pay $125, a quarter of the hundred which is 25, when you add the 25, it becomes 125, then it becomes a fifth. It's called a fifth from the outside, instead of a fifth from the inside. Not $20, which would be a fifth of 100, but it's a quarter of 100, and when you add it, it becomes a fifth. So Karen is the principal, and then you add on to the principal, the fifth. So when it says Hashem elevated uh, Karen, Li'amai, He's telling us that the Amma, his nation, Vayarami, elevated Karen. The Amma has the principle, has the essence of Hashem. All of creation, heaven and earth, angels, high levels of consciousness and the higher dimensions, all they have is Haidai, a glimmer, a ray of a glimmer, of, a gli- of an illumination. It's so far from Hashem's essence. But the Jew, Am Kiraivai, the nation that he's close to, he's intimate with. Karen, they he gave his essence. All of the worlds, including the angels, had nothing on the Jew. Hashem gave his essence. His chosen people, his holy land, his holy Torah, himself. Similarly, before fulfilling many of the Mitzvot, we say, who has sanctified us unto himself through his commandments and commanded us to perform the mitzvah at hand. By granting us the ability to perform his commandments, Hashem elevates us to his level, to the encompassing level of holiness that utterly transcends the degree of holiness that permeates the world. So when he says, what do the mitzvahs accomplish? They make us holy. What does holy mean? Holy means, when you say Hashem is holy, it means Hashem transcends the whole world. And He transcends the whole frame of reference of the whole world. Hashem is unapproachable. Hashem is beyond this whole world. And when we do a mitzvah, through the mitzvah, Hashem sanctified us. He made us part of this holiness. He made us holy. He made us part of His holiness. That we're touching His transcendent self. The principle. This is the gift of a mitzvah. Kvetching? A, a chore? A burden? An obligation? We should be jumping out of our skin. We should be dancing with joy. There's nothing in this world that we can do to reach the level of kiddushonu of holiness. Because holiness, by definition, means it's beyond us. It's the higher levels of consciousness, music, mysticism, meditation, religion. You can be a Buddha and meditate for a thousand years. Angels sit and meditate 24-7. And all they reach is the glimmer of a ray of Hashem's illumination. Hashem's holiness. Hashem is holy. It's totally... And that's why the angels cry out, Kaddish, Kaddish, Kaddish. Hashem is holy. It's beyond us. 
We have no way of reaching him. We have no way of grasping him. We have no way of connecting to him. But by doing a mitzvah, this is the only thing in the world that we can do. Hashem has given us the gift and enabled us to touch His holiness, to become part of His holiness. This level of transcendence. We're like blind, deaf, and dumb. We don't even realize what we have. We don't even realize the treasure and the gift that we have. But when you understand it and you realize what a mitzvah is, and reflecting upon God's infinite kindness to us in that he chose us to be his nation, the people close to him will result in a reaction of waters reflecting the face. From his contemplation are born the intellectually generated or the natural awe and love, the awe and love of Hashem that are naturally found within the heart of all Jews who believe that Firstly, it's like a mirror. When someone loves you, like we learned already earlier in the first part of the Tanya, when someone loves you, you can't help but love them in return. So when we realize Hashem's immense love for us, that He has given us His mitzvah, and He has sanctified us and elevated us to His level, to His transcendent self, we can't help but return that love to Hashem. This will evoke within us one or two types of loves. Either a love which is born of intellect, which is a very mature love and a very profound love, because it's a love that's based on a very profound and penetrating understanding of Hashem. And therefore, this is a love that has a very strong foundation, a love that we truly internalize or integrate, a love which is us, when you truly understand something and you get something then it becomes part of you it's like you've digested it it's you so when you truly understand Hashem's greatness and you understand Hashem's love for us and your mind understanding is so powerful that it, it gives birth to an emotion this emotion has a very strong parent has a very strong foundation and that means that you have changed. It has really become part of you. This is part of your makeup, part of your inner makeup. And therefore it changes you in a very in, real internal way, in a very deep way. Because you, you understand with such clarity. And it's so powerful that it provoked a feeling, an emotion, a love, an attraction to Hashem, to godliness, to godly things. And you become excited about godly things. That means that it really penetrated very deep inside. And that it has changed you. You're a different person. You understand things differently. And you feel things differently as a result of that understanding. So that's, that's the highest level. That's the ideal level. But if a person doesn't reach that level, you can still use your intellect to awaken the natural love that we all have to Hashem. The love that we're born with. You don't have to create. You don't have to invent. It's there. We're born with it. We're the believers, the children of believers. We have this natural love for Hashem. Every Jew has a natural love for Hashem. You have to dust it off. You have to reveal it. But it's there. So you just have to awaken it. Maybe dormant. Maybe asleep. 
So you got to wake it up. And that, you can use intellect by understanding and contemplating and meditating and reflecting. You can awaken that natural, instinctual love that you have towards Hashem. So you can't compare the impact on the person. You can't compare the impact on the person himself. A love that's based on, on a very profound understanding which evokes a very powerful emotion which means that you've completely been impacted, you've completely been transformed and changed, and you've internalized it. You've become a different person, you've become a more godly person. Versus this natural love, you don't have to work on it. You're born with it. It's without any effort, you don't, it's there. But you need an effort in order to connect with it, in order to bring it up to the conscious level in order for, to allow this natural love to emerge and surface. So that you need a human effort by understanding and by meditating and reflecting. So this will awaken, allow this natural love to come to the surface, to reveal this natural instinctual love that we have anyway. But it's hidden and dormant and you allow it to awaken, you allow it to come to the surface. Then the effect on the person is not as powerful. Because you haven't changed. So it's one thing when Hashem changes you. When godliness changes the person. When you have a powerful understanding which gives birth to a powerful emotion, Hashem is totally changed. If you're just dusting off and revealing this natural, instinctual connection that every Jew feels towards Hashem, there hasn't been any great change. Because you were born with this love. You didn't create it. You don't have to do anything to create it. It's there. You just brought it out to the surface. Okay? That's the change. That you awakened it. You brought it out to the surface. But the person himself, personally, your personality, your character, there hasn't been any great, tremendous change. It's just you're in touch with that instinct that we're born with. That we inherit. But either way, not everyone has the ability and the capacity to reach the higher level of love. It takes a very profound intellect. And it takes, an, even if you have that intellect, it's not enough. It takes profound concentration and focus in order to be able to develop such a penetrating understanding that will give birth to a profound feeling of love and sensitivity to godliness. Not everyone has the capacity. And even those that have the capacity, not everyone chooses to fully utilize that capacity. But everyone has the capacity to awaken that instinctual love that we all have. We're Jewish, and we have that love, and we have that connection. It's there, we're born with it, it's inherent, it's innate. Our inheritance, our birthright. But we're not in touch with it. But by studying chasidahs and meditating and reflecting and praying, you can bring it to the surface. You can awaken it. You can get in touch with it. You can connect with it. And it becomes a living force in your life. So that's much more doable. But either way... Giving rise either to a mode of love in which their heart cried out unto God in its yearning to cleave to Him or to... B, a mode of love characterized by flashes of fire, a mighty flame, 
The latter mode of love is the first state of a dual dynamic rutso advance, loving God so fiercely and rapturously that the soul almost flees the body. Like we learned at great length in the first part of the Tanya, that there's two levels of love. There's a love which you desire to cling with Hashem, to connect with Hashem. And the only way to connect with Hashem is through Torah mitzvah. That's the love that he calls the love of silver. But then you have the love of fire that consummates you, that consummate love, consummate love. It totally consumes you. It's a love where you want to burn in ecstasy, where you want to... It, it burns up any sense of self. You want to become completely absorbed within God, nullified before God. Completely forget about yourself, forget about your ego, forget about yourself. The first part, you love Hashem and you want to be connected with Hashem. So there's still a self that wants to be connected with Hashem. The second is you want to completely annihilate, like, like the fire destroys the physical, it wants to completely annihilate your ego, your physical self. You want to become completely one and unified, and you feel such a rapture and such a powerful, fiery love for Hashem that you just your soul is about to escape from your body in pure ecstasy. This longing to expire, to lose one's independent identity in God's all-encompassing unity must be followed by the second stage, shuv, retreat, a sober and self-effacing return to the divinely ordained reality of living as a soul and clothed in a body, so that there be the fear of God in one part, specifically the superior order of fear whereby the individual is abashed by his greatness. The second step is, as you get closer to Hashem, then you start realizing, wait a minute, it's not about me. It's not about ego. It's not what I want. It's about what Hashem wants. Is this what Hashem wants? To become an angel? Hashem is missing another angel in heaven? He already has an infinite amount of angels in heaven. Hashem doesn't need another angel. He needs another mensch. He needs another human being living in this dark, coarse, crass world and making this world and changing this world, making this world into a Torah world, transforming the world, elevating the world, bringing godliness into this world, illuminating the darkness, transforming the darkness. That's what Hashem wants. He doesn't need another angel. Heaven is populated with enough angels. So suddenly you step back and you're afraid. When you're standing in Hashem's greatness and Hashem's presence, you suddenly forget about yourself. And you start thinking about Hashem for a second, not about me. And you're afraid. I want to go off in ecstasy, very nice. It's good for me. I'm drawn to the light. I want to extinguish my ego, extinguish my sense of separation, overcome the boundaries, break the ceiling. But is this what Hashem wants? Hashem created the ceiling. Hashem created these boundaries. Hashem sent me into this world for a reason. I'm Hashem's ambassador. The ambassador would love to come home and stay home. But when you're standing in the king, he rushes right back. The moment he gets to the king, okay, I'm, I'm so glad I'm next to the king, but then he remembers what the king wants of him. You're the representative of the king. Go back to your post. What are you doing here? <laughs> so he sends him right back to his post. You go rushing back to where you belong. 
especially the higher level of fear. One level of fear, listen, I'm, not gonna, I'm afraid of the king. I'm afraid of Hashem's greatness. I'm standing in the presence of greatness. But a higher level is when you're standing in the presence of greatness, suddenly you're ashamed. I'm thinking about myself. My own spiritual self-satisfaction. Spirituality is the ultimate ego trip. What I want. Even getting out of my ego is also an ego trip. <laughs> it's what I want. I want to get out of my ego. Suddenly you're ashamed. And, and you forget about yourself totally. There's no I. And when you're ashamed, when you're standing in the presence of greatness and you completely forget about yourself, then all there is is the king and what he wants. He doesn't want me here. He doesn't need me here. He needs me, he needs me back down there. That's what he needs. He needs me to bring a little holiness, a little godliness, a little goodness, a little kindness, a little light, and a little genuineness in this dark, coarse, crass, vulgar world that we live in. So I better go get back to my post in this wild west, in this jungle, and let me bring a little godliness, a little menschlichkeit, a little goodness, little emes into this world. So it's the Ratzi V'shuv. It's constant back and forth, like the heartbeat, in and out. You breathe in, you breathe out. The pulse. You get close to Hashem and then you immediately step back. And that's the, so that's the love and the fear. Comes the love, and then comes you step back, the fear, the awe, which sends you right back down. That's the re-entry. Sends you right, hurtling right back down to where you belong, right back down to reality. That's the reality track. So you can never run away in ecstasy. There's no escapism. There's no running off to a mountaintop. In Judaism, there's no running off to a mountaintop. And staying stuck in the mountaintop. We're constantly running to the mountaintop. But we're constantly running down the mountain. <laughs> a second later, we're running on the other side, we're running down the mountain. But there's no getting stuck in that mountaintop sitting and meditating for the rest of your life on the mountaintop, becoming a monk, a nun, a Buddha, a priest. That, there's no running away. There's no escapism. The moment you run to the top of the mountain and you're close to Hashem, you run right back. You remember what your mission is. You remember what, what it's all about. What Hashem wants, not what I want. That's the difference in Judaism and all other religions, and all other mysticism. If all you have is love, but you don't have the awe, you don't have the fear, you don't have the, the reality check, being grounded. This is for real. We're not playing games here. This is very real. What we're doing here is very real. And what we're accomplishing here is very real. And that we're needed. And being needed... That's the ultimate, most respectful thing in the world. Hashem is telling us that we are needed. This fear is not, doesn't distance us from Hashem, on the contrary. When we go running down the mountain and run back to this vulgar world, we're not distanced from Hashem, on the contrary. That fear is what connects us to Hashem. That fear brings us close to Hashem. Because what it tells us is Hashem really needs us. 
Hashem is showing us so, so, so much respect. He really needs us. So, both the love which draws us close to Hashem and the fear which makes us run back, both of these connect us to Hashem in a very real way. This abashedness restrains him from doing anything that Hashem finds displeasing. This level of awe, fear, and shame results from the left hand that parries. And the divine left hand represents Gabura, the supernal attribute of severity. It holds the worshiper at arm's length, so to speak, curbing the intense love that would result from his sensation of Hashem's nearness as represented in the phrase, the Amino Techabakini, his right hand embraces me. As it is written concerning the giving of the Torah, the people saw and they trembled and they stood from afar. The divine revelation at the giving of the Torah produced a feeling of awe and self-nullification, which found expression in the Jews standing from afar, fearing as they did to draw close to Hashem. The giving of the Torah, which is all about fulfilling the mitzvot. So on one hand, the Jews expired, their souls expired from ecstasy, from the intense revelation. But then also it says they saw Hashem and they, they moved back. Because Hashem was hugging them, embracing them on one hand. With the other hand, with the left hand, He was pushing them away. He's hugging us and He's pushing us away. Because to fulfill the Torah in this world, the physical mitzvot in this world, Hashem pushes us away, and there's a boundary. And that pushes us back down into the real world, pushes us back down to reality. And we remember it's all about doing the mitzvah. It's not just about dying in ecstasy, expiring in ecstasy, which is very good for the soul. One moment in the world to come is worth more than all of this world. It's indescribably pleasurable for the soul, indescribable experience for the soul to expire in ecstasy. Pure love, pure ecstasy, being embraced by Hashem. But then there's that awe of Hashem, that fear of Hashem, that sends us right back, pushes us away. Don't get too close. Don't expire. Remember what you have to do and do the mitzvah and bring godliness into this world. And that's the difference in angels and humans. Angels are all about going up, like fire, from the bottom up. They're constantly expiring in ecstasy, and they're, they're, they're praising Hashem, and they're jumping, and they're constantly jumping up and down, and they're overwhelmed by this intense revelation of godliness. But a Jew's mission is to bring Hashem into this world, to bring godliness into this world. So we have both. We have the Ratsui, the love, which is followed by the Yira, the fear, the awe, which brings us back down to reality. And only when we have both together, only then could we truly fulfill our mission. When we have the love and the ecstasy and the yearning and the sensitivity to godliness, and then when we have the sense of awe, 
it brings us right back down to reality and right, right back down, together then we're able to fulfill our mission. And these faculties, love and fear, are the arms and the body of the soul. Love and kindness are the right arm. Fear and severity are the left arm. So we have the mind, the intellect, the brain, which is the comprehension, the understanding, which leads to these two feelings, these two emotions, the right and the left, the love and the fear and the awe. But what is it all based on? It is all based on the loins. It's all resting on the loins, which is the faith. The masnayim, the faith. It's the faith that upholds that injects life into this, this understanding and into this feeling, into this emotion. This upholds the whole person. Then the understanding is, and the feeling is personal and it's real. That explains why, why the Jew gets excited about godliness. He can't, it's, not, it's not always explicable. When a Jew hears something godly, he, he gets excited. We hear about a miracle. We get excited. We're inspired. We respond. You know, most logical people, brilliant people, hear a miracle. You know, it's like, we, we want to hear about a miracle. We respond to it. When we see something godly, we see a Jew who's praying genuinely, sincerely, wholeheartedly, and is pouring out his heart to Hashem. And it, it inspires us. Because after everything is said and done, there's a faith. The intellect is not divorced from the faith. When there's an underlying faith, then the intellect comes alive and the emotion comes alive. So it's really that underlying faith that's really behind everything. So the faith is really the loins that uphold the whole body. And next week we'll learn, we'll continue next week, we'll learn what adds even more strength to the faith? Here we're talking about when a person already is integrated, when the loins are pulled, which represent the faith, which is beyond comprehension and beyond anything we can sense, and yet we have that faith, and that faith in turn becomes the loins that uphold and injects life into the understanding and, and sets the mind on fire and sets the heart on fire. So here we're talking about a person who's integrated already person who's connected, who's integrated, who's awake, who's, who's nourishing, his faith is nourishing his intellect. His faith is married to his intellect. He's fully integrated. But yet, there's something that can even add to that. That can add strength to the faith. And that's what Shlomo Amela says, Chagra ba'oiz masna. We're going to strengthen the masnaya. We're going to strengthen the faith. Strengthen the faith even more. Add to the faith. Strengthen the faith, and, and in turn, that faith will add and strengthen the intellect even more, our perception, and strengthen our feelings, our emotions even more. What is that? Stay tuned. Same time next week. <laughs> this class is part of the Lessons in Tanya project. More classes available at LessonsInTanya.com.